Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we help you look, feel, and perform at your best. Why is it so difficult to find high-quality, pasture-raised meats these days? It seems like we're, we're years into the natural health craze, the organic craze, the pasture-raised, that whole thing, yet it's still difficult to find grass-fed barbecue and that sort of thing. And with the majority of our cow friends being fattened up on a completely unnatural diet of corn, GMOs, and candy in their candy wrappers, random garbage that's somewhat edible, or anything that will make them as fat as possible, as quickly as possible, it's clear now more than ever, that there's a disconnect between industry standards, and I'm using that term loosely, and what's best for the health of ourselves and our families, not to mention our longevity. But anyway, to help us figure it all out, we're here with Mike, who's the CEO and founder of ButcherBox, the first delivery service dedicated to providing 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and heritage pork direct to people like you and me. So they're the place that we've been getting most of our meat for the past three or so years, even though we've lived in four states since then. And it's kind of a trip getting a delivery when the nearest Whole Foods is literally in a different time zone, which was the case when we lived in the uh, Smoky Mountains. So talk a little bit about that. But before we get to the interview, here's an email that just came in from Bill. He says, I wanted to extend a personal thank you for helping me change my life. Approximately one year ago, I was 264 pounds, hypertension, blood pressure, and at risk for heart problems if a lifestyle change was not put into place. After purchasing the Wild Diet book and modifying my life, I am currently at 206 pounds, a 58-pound loss, and have my blood pressure normal without the use of any medication. I am planning on running my first race, five-mile run, since high school, which is about 10 years ago. I thought that hadn't crossed my mind in years due to my previous health habits. Thank you for what you're doing for everyone. All the best, Bill. And then we got another note from Bill uh, since then as well, and, and here's what he says in that update. I wanted to say thank you again. I recently completed a marathon in the Black Hills of South Dakota, a goal I never thought was possible. Keep on doing what you do. Bill, man, congratulations. I remember what it was like, uh, not only you know losing my spare tire and extra fat, but also going on to run my first marathon, which is a true thrill. And one of those things that's, you know, it was always a bucket list item for me. It's not like I want to make marathoning necessarily my lifestyle forever, but uh, man, what a thing to do. What I remember feeling after I finished my, not necessarily my first marathon because it hurt too much, but I think it was my second one. I, I felt like I could do anything. And um, that feeling doesn't really go away after a while because you, you put it in your bag of tricks. But anyway, if you're listening and you're into running, like a lot of us are, don't forget to check out some of the past episodes with Danny Dreyer, who's been one of my running mentors, about running techniques specifically called chi running. And I was able to attend uh, one of his workshops in Austin, Texas a while back with Allison. And his methods and advice on running really helped me a lot, especially when I was running, you know, 50 miles a week or whatever it was. A little too much sometimes. But if you've enjoyed the wild diet or transformed your own life in some way by listening to this show. I'd love to hear about it. So the easiest thing to do is just go to fatburningman.com, enter your best email address uh, to sign up for the newsletter 
then just reply to the email that I send to you. And I do my best to read every single one of those emails and reply to as many as I can. So please get in touch. The best way to do that, you know, I'm kind of okay on social media. Uh, Definitely follow me there. I, I put out stuff, but I'm not always the best at responding. But you can always find all of our best stuff for free and beyond at fatburningman.com. We have some programs that that you can purchase as well, but for the most part, it's 95 to 99% free. And including the episodes with Danny Dreyer, I believe there are two of them, you can find over 250 past episodes of this show for free without corporate overlords, without publishing deals or anything like that, and without outside sponsors. So I hope you like it. You can always get that for free at fatburningman.com. But speaking of South Dakota... I have some more big news for you. My wife Allison and I returned from a month-long cross-country road trip slash camping trip where we drove from Colorado to New Hampshire and back and recorded hundreds of 360-degree virtual adventure tours. I'll be releasing them on my website, abeljames.com, in a new 360 VR series we're calling Adventures with Abel, and that will be free as well. So we've already toured the Badlands National Park in South Dakota, recorded adorable baby bison and barking prairie dog videos, and even some bighorn sheep dangling from cliffs. <laughs> and it's neat with these new new cameras, especially the 360 and VR cameras, you can get pretty close. And when you watch it, even if it's on your phone, but certainly if you're watching it on a, on a bigger computer screen or a headset, it really feels like you're there in a tangible way that you don't get from normal video. So be sure to check that out. It's pretty wacky, cutting-edge stuff. The 360 videos that I'm filming are also filmed with spatial audio, which means it's like 3D audio. So uh, especially if you're wearing a headset, but even if you have stereo speakers, as you you look around the scene by moving your head or, or clicking or dragging or literally moving your phone, the sound... Uh, changes accordingly. So if there's uh, a bighorn sheep or a goat making a noise behind us, it'll sound like it's coming from behind us when you're watching the video. So anyway, definitely check all that stuff out. It's pretty wacky. One quick reminder as well, I'm recording and releasing more than 400 music videos in 360 over the course of the next year. So a new one every single day of original music. Some of it is very silly. Some of it is kind of meditative and more serious, but I hope you enjoy it. You can catch that all for free at abeljames.com. And since we're releasing it all ourselves, this series, actually all these series are completely free of outside advertising and free to watch as well. And if you'd like to support this show and others and all of our music videos and virtual tours and other shenanigans, please head on over to wildsuperfoods.com if you live in the U.S. to get your health-boosting goodies. Hopefully, we'll be able to ship internationally soon. All right, so on to the show with Mike. On this one, you're going to learn the critical differences between grass-fed beef and feedlot beef and what it means to your health, what to look out for when shopping for and choosing your meats, how to feed yourself and your family when you're low on sleep and out of time, and tons more. Let's go hang out with Mike. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. Let me ask you something. Did you eat your veggies today? All of them? Believe it or not, fewer than 10% of adults and children in America get their recommended fruits and veggies in daily. That is 
absolutely atrocious. And many millions of us are suffering from disease, obesity, and ill health as a direct result. So my wife Allison and I decided to do something about it. Now you can double your intake of fruits and veggies in less than 60 seconds without the sugar or carbs. We're excited to bring you our new superfood greens powder called Future Greens to make it easy to get organic, nutrient-dense veggies in every day, no matter where you are. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling prebiotic fiber from whole organic veggies, sprouts, algaes, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. Since Future Greens is preserved, you can get your greens on even when fresh produce, salads, and smoothies are far out of reach. Future Greens makes getting nutrition easy, and it tastes great if I do say so myself. Future Greens is a smart and convenient source of nutrition for disaster preparedness, road trips, camping, athletics, and more. It travels great in the car, on the plane, or in a spaceship. Just make sure you activate artificial gravity before opening. Basically, it's like vegetables from the future. So if you're looking to increase your energy and health without the crash from caffeine or sugar, meet your new best friend, Future Greens. As a listener of Fat Burning Man, you can get a 20% discount to try it yourself right now. Just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get over 20% off when you subscribe and save. You'll get our coolest new concoction from Wild Superfoods called Future Greens. Again, just head on over to fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get over 20% off your purchase. We'll see you there. All right, folks, Mike Salguero is the CEO and founder of ButcherBox, the first delivery service dedicated to providing 100% natural grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and heritage pork direct to people like you and me. Mike is also a CrossFit enthusiast and avid lover of the outdoors, so he's in good company here. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's get right into it and, and I'm going to ask you, why is it so difficult, almost no matter where I am, especially in North America, to find high-quality, pasture-raised, grass-fed, or just generally clean meats? Why is it so hard to find them these days? Yeah, I mean, so basically starting in the 50s and 60s, this country became obsessed with cheap meat. So it was all about how cheaply could you grow an animal. So what the meat industry did is they, they moved in a direction of essentially confined feeding operations uh, antibiotics, overuse of antibiotics. Antibiotics help an animal put on a lot of weight really quickly and then basically give them a bunch of corn and soy and grains and have them grow fatter and fatter and fatter. And so certainly in the grass-fed world or in the in the beef world, if you even think about the way that we grade steak, so there's choice, prime, select. All that means is it's, it's how much fat we're able to put into the animal. That's what's like called the, the mark of quality. So that's very different than, say, uh, New Zealand or Australia or other places where there's lots of land and people have just kept cows grazing on grass for, for years. So grass-fed beef, I got into this because my wife and I were doing elimination diet and it said, eat grass-fed beef. And then we did a Whole30 diet and it said, eat grass-fed beef. And it was yeah. like, what is this stuff? Like, let's, let's. I, I started trying to find it and couldn't find it. Right. It wasn't in our grocery store. The only thing I could find was like a brick of ground beef. And I hear that from people. It's like, I... I want to eat grass-fed beef, but I can only find ground beef. 
So it's so hard to find, one, because the industry went in a completely different direction, and two, at your local grocery store, because it's such a small number of people, and we hope someday it will be much bigger, because it's such a small number of people who eat that type of meat, the grocery store doesn't want to carry a lot of it. So okay. grocery stores tend to have issues with what they call shrink or where things spoil. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, it's a big risk for them to carry a bunch of grass-fed briskets. Like they don't know if they're going to sell them, right? So um, that's why you tend to see ground beef and then maybe like a New York strip as pretty much it in a, in a grocery store. Even the, you know, even Whole Foods in downtown Boston is the same thing. It's, it, it's a very, very small selection of uh, what you can get. Wow. Which means that almost all of us are eating nothing but adulterated meat because basically like you said it's it's prime or it's high quality if it has a ton of fat in there and the way that you get yeah. fat in there is by feeding them antibiotics they still don't know exactly why that works it just makes them real fat they might feed them cement kiln dust or or candy with the wrappers on it just because <laughs> like the less healthy it is the more quickly it fattens up that animal yet when you look just one step down the line North America and increasingly the world has the the biggest health epidemic ever of of obesity and disease and all these other things and it's like could you imagine that being you know those things interacting at all and that being yeah. somewhat of a causal relationship that if you're eating something that's sick that it might be transferring those little pieces of sickness to you in some way especially over time so anyway it's it's um I think a lot of people who are listening right now might be in the stage where they're just like, yeah, I've heard that I should have grass fed and, and pasture raised and all of that. But like, what, what is the difference between a cow that has been raised eating grass in its natural environment, or at least as close, as close to as possible? What is the big difference? If you're eating a burger or a steak, why should you care? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's tons of different lenses you can look at it, but, um, so every cow starts off the same way. It's about six months in cow-calf, which is basically a cow drinking milk from its mother. And then the next year it's spent on grass pasture, just eating grass. So every cow that is raised in this country, unless it's for you know something different like dairy, that's how they're raised. And then 98% of the cows go to a feedlot. And a feedlot is a confined feeding operation where there might be 100,000, 200,000 or more cows all in one, one area. And they spend six months just getting as fat as possible by being fed a whole bunch of stuff. And the grass-fed route for that 2% is instead of going to a feedlot, they just keep eating grass, essentially. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they trade hands like there's a grass finisher who will just keep feeding them grass. But oftentimes they just stay with the original farmer. And it's, you know, it's fascinating as we've gotten more and more into this industry and become a, a, a big player in the industry. Like a lot of the farmers get uh, loans that expire at like 18 months. Right. Okay. So if you have a thousand cows or a hundred cows or whatever, these cows are like really expensive. You, you basically like can't afford to keep it on grass because you have to trade it oh. at that moment because okay. your loans are structured that way. You know, wow. so there's a whole bunch of structural things that that keep perpetuating this um, kind of feeder cattle system. And, you know, like I said before, people were obsessed with cheap meat and it's kind of a marvel of uh, food technology, what has happened in, uh, in meat and, and how protein is derived from corn and uh, 
but you know, for your listeners, certainly for people who follow like the wild diet or, or try to eat certainly low, low carb, um, and think about uh, healthy fats and stuff like that. If you think about what that animal is eating and the fact that, uh, toxins are stored in your fat. So they're eating a diet of lots and lots of carbs, Mm -hmm. getting really fat in a kind of a toxic environment. And then you're consuming that yourself. I don't think there's enough research to, to, you know, definitively say that's super unhealthy for you. And certainly I wouldn't want to be the guy to raise my hand and, and say that, but certainly there are health benefits we believe to eating grass fed. One of the things I say is when I eat like a regular steak, which doesn't happen very often, Mm -hmm. I I hardly ever eat a regular steak, but it always like sat in my stomach. Like I feel it. Yeah. And this is like totally different. It's like clean meat. It, It doesn't feel like that. It feels, it feels very different almost like eating like elk or wild game or something. You know, it's interesting. Um, the first time I became vegetarian, when I was a angsty teenager, I think it was like 15 or something like that. And it was really because my dad, you know, especially because we didn't have much money, it was, a, it was a real treat to go out and get steak. Or, or mm-hmm. I should say like he'd bring home steak and cook it up. And I, I still remember just like looking at that steak on my plate. It was like grayish. And just kind of like looked a little like shoe leather. And when, when I ate it, it just tasted like dead. There's this death taste to it, almost like how fish gets fishy over mm-hmm. time. And it just it had this this taste. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to eat meat. And my, my dad flipped out, right? Because he thought yeah, I was just sure. being angsty. And I'm sure I was just being angsty and trying to take him off or whatever. But, but really, I, I remember like trying to eat this steak, which is supposed to be the best, most, most luxurious thing an American could do. Right. Especially an American man. If you follow these, you know, these tropes or whatever over time. And I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't want to eat this. And that really led on a pretty fascinating journey for a while. Cause then I got sicker, you know, eating, trying to eat vegetarian for a while. But, but the meat part always kind of stuck with me. It's like, even when I stopped eating or, or when I stopped doing the the real vegetarian thing, I didn't go back to red meat because I kind of experienced that same, I don't really like this. Of course, if you cover it all up with mustard and ketchup and steak sauce or horseradish, whatever, you can can cover it up and like pretend that you're eating a high quality steak. But you're right too. It's like, it feels a little heavier. It feels a little different. And uh, when you transition more into the the pasture raised cattle, especially my, my parents... Uh, had a couple behind the house and we with our neighbors were able to get some of the meat which was tragic and kind of sad after like befriending these animals over multiple seasons but man you have a different relationship with your meat when you realize it's coming from an animal with eyes that look at you (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that have feelings they're like gigantic big dogs or goats they're very sentient very conscious how different is that than just like eating meat because most people we're, we're trained to think that we're just eating meat it's all the same it's a commodity but it's not yeah 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 i mean there's like so like i said there's multiple lenses right there's there's like the better for you lens so the you know what we had just talked about there's better for the environment there's better for the animal there's better for the the farmer and i mean you know you can take any of those and go with it so better for the animal cows weren't made you know weren't created to um sit in a confined feeding operation right and this is like very very confined environment where there's a massive trough and they just drive a a tractor down and just you know put corn in the trough corn soy grains corn if they're lucky yeah uh yeah 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 right exactly so and it's all geared towards making them just want to eat 
you know, eat mm-hmm. more, eat more, eat more. And that's just, you go see a cow like in your backyard or in, um, you know, in a field and they're just, they're just happy chilling out in a field. Um, yeah. really like no, no stress, no mooing, no fear, just kind of hanging out. And that, you know, as a, as a guy who obviously, you know, I'm part of the meat system. So, you know, I recognize every animal, unfortunately, has a bad day, which is the day that um, the day that it's slaughtered or the day that it's harvested. Sure. But we want to make the rest of the days as good as possible. Right. So yeah. that's the promise of pasture raising, of of being really conscientious of what you do with your animals, of certified humane is is really to make sure that you're doing everything possible to make that animal's life as good as possible. We actually have a lot of customers who are what I call reform vegetarian, but um, that are like we're vegetarian and then yeah. for health reasons we're like i can't i can't do this anymore i have to eat meat and then it's like well what kind of meat you know and, and we come in and, and it's kind of a all right if i have to eat meat i might as well make sure it's the most yeah. conscientious meat possible um and we strive as a company to every day just improve the meat that we're giving people and improve the standards and just get better and better and better yeah and so that's a it's a it's been a fun journey for sure yeah and you you guys are doing a great job but if i could i'd, I'd love to play devil's advocate for a second just because i know that we'll get some comments later about this but like what about the people who say that you're taking part in destroying the world because you know it's slaughtering animals and we shouldn't be eating meat in the first place how do, how do you think about that especially running uh, a company with multiple people and I, I know that you really care yeah 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 so there's usually two two kind of things for how we're destroying the world so so there's the that one and then there's also carbon uh sure. so that uh, yeah you know, cows emit a lot of carbon. There's a bunch of movies that have come out about how uh, it's all about animals, specifically cows. So on the carbon of environmental side, there's actually a bunch of really interesting work happening right now around grass feeding and that helping the grass ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing actually across this country is fields that used to be corn or fields that were overcropped and just, you know, o- over the years, just not a lot of topsoil not a lot of rich nutrients. They're putting animals back on there and the cows are, you know, eating and pooping and using their hooves and it's creating this really, really rich grassland. And what what the research is showing is that that grassland, it becomes a carbon sequestration, which means it's taking carbon out of the atmosphere. So there's actually some really interesting research happening right now around pasture raising, potentially even being car- not only carbon neutral, but actually a, a net benefit, like it's pulling more carbon out than it is um, putting into the into the atmosphere. Well, it and makes the way a lot of sense. Into the atmosphere is methane gas from uh, cows farting, uh, which sure. is crazy. So that's you know, so th- I think there's some really good research and really exciting stuff, certainly for grass fed, that helps me, you know, cope with that. Uh, as far as the animal itself, so you know, I've toured a lot of these facilities. I thought it was part of my job. If I'm going to be selling meat, I want to see how it's done. And on one hand, I too stopped eating meat for a while. I too felt pretty sick and then started eating meat again. And I think the human body uh, or humans seem to thrive better on meat. And then if you're going to thrive better on meat, we might as well do our part to make as much of an impact as we can on the meat industry. Yeah. Um, when I started even three years ago doing butcher box, we're, we're just celebrating our third year anniversary. Wow, congrats. Thank you. Uh, people thought we were kind of crazy, you know, like mm-hmm. at meat conferences, like grass fed beef, like, what well, are you kidding? 
and now huge companies are like, oh yeah, we've heard of you guys. Like we're really interested in what you're doing. You know, people are actually making changes on the ground in a big way, which is uh, really exciting. Because, it is. You know, like one piece is okay. Can we um, do things for our community? And then the other thing is like, can we actually make an impact on this whole industry? Which is really the big overarching mission is how do we make grass-fed beef and responsibly raised animals uh, the norm rather than kind of the exception. Yeah. Do you see that that's getting better over time, like over the past five years, say, or or the three years that you've been doing? For sure. It is. It's getting better because consumers are demanding it. So Mm -hmm. um, consumers are less focused on, hey, give me the cheapest meat possible. There are a lot of consumers that are still focused on that. Sure. But then there's like, Consumers who are focused on, you know, better standards, uh, using better breeds, making sure the animals, you know, had a humane life. There's there's lots of different things that are happening on the fringes that are becoming more and more mainstream. Yeah. So, you know, you go to like Panera and they've got antibiotic free chicken and uh, Purdue kind of set the standard. Actually, 2014, they just they, they had already been antibiotic free for two years and announced it at a chicken council meeting was like, we're antibiotic free, we're not looking back. And that wow. just dramatically changed the industry. So it, it is happening. It's a slow process. It's too slow for people like me who, sure. you know, like, I, I don't want to eat that way. So what, what can I do? But I, I do think changes are happening. That being said, it's a very old industry that, you know, you've got people who have been been in the industry for a long time. And don't necessarily believe that change is needed. Yeah. Now, how about the idea? I thought this is kind of interesting just because, you know, those and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to who who might be thinking of transferring from like the the vegetarian to the the light meat. It seems like if you eat grass fed or or, or wild or pasture raised meats, it's almost like in between being a vegetarian and being a a normal American one way or another. Right. Because. I would say, and I'd like to think that it's a bit more spiritual because you're honoring the animals that you're uh, that you're eating at least more so than you would have from the traditional system, where you know it's just a commodity or a hot dog or or whatever. No, this had eyeballs. This was this was an actual animal at one point. It seems and it was like, raised the way raised the way that nature intended, right? Yeah, Is the that, way that nature intended. Why should that be such an aberration? In everyone's mind, you know, in the entire meat industry, it's like, what? You're going to raise a cow the way that nature would? That's insane, you know? Yet, when you look at uh, how our bodies function, and especially the animals that we eat, it's definitely more healthy. It doesn't matter how much research we have or do not have. Like, living your life the way that nature intended is important, and seems to be a self-defense against a lot of the shenanigans that have been going on for many years that have made us so so sick. But but one thing it did help me in, in transferring from being a, a vegetarian and not eating meat to eating it again was like if you think about a cow or or a buffalo, how many cows could you eat in, in a year? Even if you're eating a pound or two every single day, I mean, how much does a does a typical beef cow weigh? Uh, so a grass fed, uh, animal, you're probably looking at mm, 600 to 700 pounds of meat. And I think the average American is eating like 50 pounds of beef, something like that. 50 to 80 pounds of beef a year. So yeah, you're, you're talking about one feeding 
a lot of five plus lot of years or if you eat like two pounds of meat a day every single day then like you'll eat one cow a year it's like that shell silverstein poem of eating a whale or something like that from being a kid it's it is a certainly a sacrifice that the animal is making or or that's happening so that you can eat an animal but at the same time it's not like you're going around slaughtering entire you know, like killing all the buffalo, for example, to eat meat every once in a while. I think that's that's important to, to think about and talk about, too, don't you? Totally. Yeah, no. The slaughterhouses and, and the kind of like that side of the meat process, I think is incredibly important to talk about. And oftentimes people don't talk about it. Yeah. There's a statistic out there that 40 percent of people don't touch their meat. So they like, wow. Um, they open it up and like throw it on in the pan, right? It, yep. So, so there's actually like a disassociation between handling the meat and like handling what they're eating. By design, and I think seems, that yeah. that just spreads out into well, I don't really want to know like what happens, you know, what happens at a at a slaughterhouse, like. And uh, I think, I mean, we took a video inside one of them and showed it to our whole our whole company, and it's like this is you know everyone here needs to know what what goes on. Yeah. Um, so the the facilities that we work with, I'm happy to talk about it if you if you want. The yeah, facilities please. that we work with, there's actually this woman uh, named Temple Grandin. There's a movie with Claire Danes out about her. So she is um, on the spectrum, uh, and she feels like an animal feels. So she actually goes into these facilities and starts all the way in the back, which is where they uh, the trucks like load the cows or drop them off. And she's like, oh, that, that flag up there is freaking me out because it's, uh, it's, it's flapping and it's like, you know, making me scared. Or this wall is not high enough. We need to change this. And they basically change the entire kind of processing side to match what she feels and to wow. make her feel better. Yeah. And then there, there's, a, there's a machine that basically gives the cow like a hug before the um, the bolt which goes into their skull, you know, before that bolt gets gets used. And I mean, like I said, it's it's a reality of what we what we do. If you're if you eat meat, that's a reality of what happened to the animal that you you ate. But the the sense that I got from the places I've toured is like, wow, this is done in a way that's as honoring to the animal and as humane as as possible. It's like people really respect what's happening. And then on the chicken pork side, uh, they actually use use gases. It's a slow stunning. So the way, the way chicken used to be done is big conveyor belt. This is what how most chicken is done. Uh, big conveyor belt, uh, They it dips into um, a water bath that is uh, electrocuted uh, mm. and that stuns them. And then um, uh, something slits their throat down the line. And some companies have started putting in gas stunning. So essentially the, the chicken goes through, it's a mix of oxygen, oxygen with a little bit of carbon dioxide, more carbon dioxide, okay. and then they pass out, which is like dramatically changed, you know, that moment for the chicken. Yeah. Um, so, and what's pretty cool, you know, you're talking about like companies doing things right or thinking about things differently. What's, what's pretty cool is that people, um, what I've found is the larger the facility, which is actually kind of counterintuitive, but the larger the facility, the more they care about these types of improvements. Hmm. And it's mainly financial, but if you think about like if a cow is not super relaxed, it actually spikes its pH levels and you can taste that in the meat. And so the quality goes down. So, yeah. you know, they have every, if you're 
putting through 1500 animals a day, like they have every incentive to make sure that it's the highest quality possible. Sure. We actually see one of the things, this is actually one of the more, more surprising things getting involved in this, in this business. I always approached meat with a thought of like smaller is better. So if it's, if the animal is slaughtered at like Jim slaughterhouse down the street, that much must be better than the big facility. Yeah. But what you find out on the ground is Jim slaughterhouse down the street is the one that has a whole bunch of violations for like the mm. bolt gun not working well, or, you know, like, because there's just not enough throughput for them to yeah. care as much, you know? Yeah. So, um, or they might not yeah. have the resources, right. To replace all the equipment when it needs to be replaced. Yeah. Exactly. Versus if you're doing 1500 a day, that's what 200 ish an hour. So that's three a minute. So if you can't like stop the line, it's, it's mm -hmm. like a, it's like an auto assembly plant, right? Like you, you don't just stop the line. So everything works, works really efficiently, which that, that was like counter to what I was expecting when I first walked into one of those places. Right. I remember reading some of, uh, what you talked about before with like that, that coddling device almost, uh, with the cows, is that unique to cows or, or does it work with pigs as well? And, and other animals? Pigs go into an elevator and then they get dropped down and they, uh, they do that gas thing and then they get brought up. So no, it's a, it's a different process for each of them. Okay. Uh, but this woman, Temple Grandin goes into all of them. Well, not, not every slaughterhouse, but like the slaughterhouses in particular that we work with are Temple Grandin, you know, kind of she's walked through and made sure that they're as good as possible. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Well, if you look back at, at humans or, or to native American beliefs in, in eating meat, some things that I've, I've read basically explain is they went on vision quests or, or, or they in their dreams or in meditations would go to the animals uh, beforehand before the hunt and then get their permission for the harvest mm. or for the slaughter to bring it back to um, their families and their tribe. And, you know, you put that in contrast to what you find at a, a typical slaughterhouse and then you follow that down the line until it becomes a McDonald's hamburger or, you know, that packaged meat that no one ever touches that's going to give you diseases because we're all afraid of it. But, you know, we're supposed to be eating it at the same time. It's it's a really bizarre um, reality that we've all been conditioned to accept when it comes to eating meat. And I can't blame, you know, vegans, vegetarians. In fact, we were them ourselves for a while because it, it almost leaves you no other option when you look around and at typical grocery stores anyway at typical places where you eat out you just can't really find or, or at least you couldn't really find the high quality stuff the animals that were treated well and i think we all if we knew that we had the option we for the most part we would prefer the healthy animals that were spiritually healthy physically healthy and then to you, if you eat them, they're going to be nutritionally healthy. But one thing that I thought was really interesting was living in Austin, Texas for almost 10 years, and now we live in Colorado, but living there was, was really an epicenter of the ancestral health movement, of the paleo movement, mm -hmm. uh, of a mm -hmm. lot of big conferences, and also big epicenter of barbecue and meat eating, because it's Texas, yeah. right? And basically, the entire time I lived there, I could not find grass-fed barbecue, I could not find pasture-raised chicken that was smoked at a barbecue place. That still, maybe it's just because it's Texas, but even in other places around, around the country, certainly it's, it's almost impossible to find a grass-fed 
or pasture-raised high-quality meats at those places. And I'm just like, well, that's a huge bummer. So I just stopped eating barbecue, basically. I, I stopped eating that stuff until <laughs> about two months ago. I, ha- I also haven't been barbecuing on like a propane grill just because it's like, you know, I, I don't like the idea of cooking over an unnatural petroleum-based flame. But I got a smoker for like a couple hundred bucks two months ago and have been... I've done like three batches, I think, with your meat from ButcherBox, some of the big roasts, some of the smaller ones, and they have come out tasting like the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. One of them I used mesquite wood chips. Another one I used uh, for the most recent, recent batch used hickory. And I'm learning so much about how meat works, how to brine. And I'm really, you know, at first when, when I got some of the big roasts from you guys, because we don't typically go out and get big you know, multiple pound roasts or, or of chuck or anything else like that. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And so crock pot is good, can be fun. Oven can work too. But man, that smoker has really changed our lives. It's been a, a wonderful thing to experience. And it's really not, it's not more difficult than, than barbecuing. Right. right. But the taste of the grass fed meats in that barbecue is, is just so much better yeah, than so much the barbecue that I'm used to because you can yeah. you can cover it up like like I said before with all that barbecue sauce and all that dry rub and whatever and yeah it'll taste good it'll be like good barbecue but then it sits in your stomach and it feels terrible and what I notice about uh, about these things we've smoked ourselves is that it's really it's much lighter you, we can slice it up real thin almost like a lunch meat and it just came out so good so I, anyone who's listening right now if you don't know what to do with with too much grass-fed meat or if you you know, you're in a cow share or something like that, which butcher box is basically like a yep, cow yep. share from afar, which is wonderful. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really fun thing to get into, to get closer to your meat instead of, you know, being afraid of it, never touching it. Like most people, if you get a more intimate relationship with what you're eating and how you prepare it, it, it can really pay off in a lot of ways. And it saves a lot of money too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Instant Pot's really good, too, for that. You yeah. Know, just, like, throw something in the Instant Pot, turn it on. It's easy. Yeah, super easy. Uh, I actually sometimes take those roasts, don't even unfreeze them, and just throw them in the Instant Pot. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, you could do that. Pretty ma- oh, yeah. Pretty How long amazing. does it take? Uh, it's like, you, you, I'd probably want to give it, like, an hour on, you know, high pressure or whatever. But, you know. Do you brine it or give it a dry rub or anything? I guess you couldn't Uh, if it's frozen. I do. I I try a whole bunch of stuff. But, you know, in the the most convenient, no time type of thing, I've got three young kids. So, uh, you know, you just take that whole cut, throw it in and, you know, put in some like I do a lot of like tomatoes, vegetables, stuff like that. A little bit of red wine and then just cook it. Yeah, tastes great. So. But yeah, no, I, I mean, our, our meat definitely tastes way better than anything else yeah. out there, <laughs> at least in my opinion. I would agree with that. As long as you cook it right, which is a little different. Could you tell people quickly, uh, if they haven't cooked with grass-fed beef in particular before, just like the little differences? Yeah, sure. So um, it has less fat, right? Because it's uh, generally wasn't fed all those all those things we were talking about to to get fat. So usually it gets tougher at well done or on the higher end of of cooking. So we tell people to take it off before they normally would take off a normal steak. And you know, so if you're on the more rare side, medium rare side, that would be better for grass fed beef. 
we actually just opened a test kitchen and we are creating something we're calling meat university right now uh, <laughs> because we know that we have a really big obligation to help people empower people to cook well and cook meals and feel proud about what they've what they've cooked yeah one of the things we talk about at this company is um home the home cooked meal is a declining industry right so that's true all across the country people are not eating at home uh, and if they do eat at home it's some some crazy stat i've, I've read it's like 60 percent uh of the time it's like some already pre-prepared thing that what they're just opening up and 60. eating yeah, it's crazy. So the stats of, of people who like cook a dinner and then eat it are, yeah. are it's decline. It's in decline. And that means, you know, for us, our the people that, that like ButcherBox are definitely excited about taking that, that piece of meat and thinking about a different recipe and cooking it. And so we're trying to do whatever we can to help empower people to, you know, to realize this isn't that hard, isn't that complicated. You can do very simple things, very simple ingredients and make something amazing. Um, so yeah. one thing that really helped us in terms of making it easier, take less time is like, for example, uh, instead of doing one of those big roasts, when I smoke it up, I'll throw in three or four Yeah, and then it's like you freeze the rest of it and you're you don't have to cook meat again for like two months you know? right, right. and you don't have to buy meat again for, for a while. Cause you have it. It's already, it's all yours. You can divvy it up amongst your family as much as you want to. But you know, it's so interesting how people pinch pennies on the, the food that they buy yet, like you said, aren't really eating at home because we save so much money. I'd say that we, we eat 80 to 90 plus percent of our meals at home. It's really an exception to eat out or even order food out. But like doing that, health starts to happen almost automatically and right. you start saving a ton of money. And so maybe that's that's a good excuse for people to kind of like zig when everyone else is zagging or vice versa, right? Where you're expected to go out and eat this poor quality, easy bake oven type food for every meal and your family too for the rest of your life. Or <laughs> you can right. actually learn how to create your own meals for less that are going to be healthier, save you money. And also you'll be learning a lot and, and experiencing a lot. I, I just, you know, I, Allison does the vast majority of our cooking and, and has for years. But like when I find that one little thing, like smoking meats and getting into brining or like roasting my own coffee or making my own little elixirs or whatever, it's so much fun to get into that. And I think it's a big thing that people are missing Yeah, um, because sure. they, you know, they kind of want someone to tell them, this is what you need to do and it's going to be really easy and it's all done for you. But in fact, it's more like here are the guidelines to practice some like nutritional and health self-defense in your life. And you're going to have to do pretty much all the work with you or your family together. So you might as well make it fun because it is. It's like people used to cook for recreation. It wasn't a chore. It was a luxury, right? And, and it still is. That hasn't changed. It's just our perspective has changed, really. Yep. And we've we've become a society where we don't have time for anything, you know. So, uh, I know in my family, uh, me being home for dinner is really important, and mm -hmm. uh, helping to cook it and just you know eat with my family. And that's one of the coolest things about doing what I do is thinking about all the thousands of people who tonight will go home and eat butcher box is like really humbling cool. and, and neat, and and keeps us drives us forward to just you know, activate this vision of helping people to eat and live healthier lives um, and, and eat meat that they believe in and that they is, is a step above or multiple steps above what they what they're used to doing. 
yeah, it feels different. It tastes different. It's totally worth it. It's a little weird at first. I got to say, when we got our first butcher box and we've been, I should say, we've been eating from butcher box for years now, really appreciated, especially when we were living out in the Smoky Mountains, middle of nowhere. I was so surprised. That's when we first started using, I think, Thrive and you guys at the same time, because we we literally had to drive to a different time zone if we wanted to go to Whole Foods. It was two and a half hours away. We were in Tennessee. So the idea that like we were we were at least a half an hour from a tiny, tiny little town, but more like an hour plus from a place that would have a grocery store like traditional Kroger's or whatever. So the idea that we got this big old box of meat delivered to our doorstep, even though we're in the middle of nowhere, was really um, it felt new and exciting and kind of crazy. And then we're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do with all this meat? <laughs> and uh, it has just been so great ever since then, because it, I want people to know that it, it's not all figured out at the beginning. It's more like like the first time people go shopping when they go on a health kick, right? It's like, I'm going to do the wild thing. And they come home with this, like all these groceries. They're like, crap, I don't know how to cook any of this stuff. Yeah, right? Right. I don't know what to do. And instead of being overwhelmed yet again and thinking that you don't have time, what, what if you just like carve out a little bit of time and be like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, it's my responsibility to figure out how to eat the highest quality stuff, how to prepare it. And it can really be great fun to get into that not only by yourself, but but especially with your family or with your loved ones or your friends, cooking commun- in a communal way is something that we've really lost sight of and is so powerful, especially once you all sit down together as equals, hopefully, at the table once everything has has been prepared and then share it with each other. It, it becomes, it can't help but be a spiritual thing when you have dinner that way. But yeah. um, to your point, we're coming up on time, but speaking of not having enough time, anyone I'm sure who has three little kids running around has their own share of challenges. So do you have any words of advice for the people who, you know, really want to make changes and, and improvements to their life, but say, you know, I have all these kids or I, I have this job that's making things too hard to do it. What, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I guess just a little bit of background on my situation. So, um, three years ago, like I said, I started the company. I had a one-year-old at the time. And then, uh, a year later, uh, we welcomed identical twin girls. Um, wow. so I have three kids, but, the, uh, one's four and one, and the, the twins are two. So it's like bonkers. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, I mean, the big piece of advice that I try to give people is, especially people who are dealing with like the, the kid situation and all the juggling the balls, you tend to be able to do the things that you make a priority. It just depends on what you want to make your priority. So if going to cross with waking up and going to CrossFit is your priority, like you're going to do that. If being home for dinner is a priority, you're going to make the time. Generally, people who don't have time for things, it's really more a they haven't really made it a priority in their life. And what I found, so my first company, I ran a company before this, and I used to be the kind of get in at 730 in the morning and be the last one to leave at night and work, 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 work. And what I realized when my my daughter Marley was born, my first daughter um, was like, you know, what? I think I'm just kind of pretending to work most of the time here. Like, I don't really think I'm doing good work on the 10th hour of doing work. And it's like more a badge of honor that I can say, oh, I worked 80 hours this week rather than like uh, I'm actually doing productive stuff. Wow, that's really insightful. (laughs) I, I think a lot of people could learn from that. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've found, 
you know, like get in, be as productive as possible and then get out, and, yeah. you know, do other stuff in your life. Cause, and obviously it depends on your job and whatnot, but, um, there, there's so much more to life than like slaving away at a job and thinking that, thinking that that thing is the, you know, the only thing you've got, you've got going. My first company, uh, basically imploded, raised a bunch of money. We, we had like Google and our deal it was $30 million we raised and the whole thing fell apart. Wow. And so I spent six years pounding my head against the table, trying to make this work, working as much, sacrificing everything, sacrificing my health, sacrificing my family, you know? And at, at the end of it, it was like, huh, well, all right. I gave that my all and it didn't, didn't really work. So what, what was the point of that? Like what, yeah. why do I live my life and then have my company kind of fit into the lifestyle I want to, I want to live. And I know that's a, a big thing for you as well. Cause sure. I've seen you talk about, um, you know, being able to live wherever you want, being able to do whatever you want, because it's being an entrepreneur choosing to go out on your own is way more about what kind of lifestyle do you want to have than it is about, you know, how many hours should I, should I do working this job? Yeah, it is. And I, as a CEO with a bunch of little kids, especially twins <laughs> running around, it seems like you're doing an excellent job on the business side. And I would, I would think on the, the family side too. Hope so. Hope so. <laughs> seems like you're, you're keeping your head above water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Treading. Yeah. But treading. really a lot of people are drowning right now, especially once you factor in, um, you know, social media technology, all of these, these, uh, yeah. things that are distracting our attention from what we really want to be doing with our lives, it seems like. No, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, social media, just your phone, like all the distractions, all the things happening. It's, um, and I'm by no means uh, an expert in any of this, but I've, for me, it's been helpful to just have boundaries. So whether that's mm -hmm. phone doesn't come in the bedroom or, you know, I'm not gonna look at this for the first hour, whatever those boundaries are that help you cope with the just mountain of, information and advertising and all this stuff that just hits you. But it, it, it definitely takes conscious, conscious planning, not just letting it hit you and, and hoping for the best. Yeah, it does. Well, anyway, we're just about out of time, but, um, I want to say butcher box. It's been one of our favorite places and most reliable places to get meat for many years now. And, um, you guys have really, despite growing so quickly, it seems like you're really doing an excellent job. And that's a rare, we've seen so many people try to do good things, flame out or people like try to do good things. And then they're like, Oh, we can make money doing this. <laughs> and then they start doing bad things. And so you guys are a great example. I think not only for those who should be and, and can be eating healthy, but also for entrepreneurs who are starting to, to literally now you are feeding the world healthier meat. And, and that is a really powerful thing. So anyway, what's the best place for people to find you? Yeah. So butcherbox.com. And I think we're running a special right now, butcherbox.com slash Abel James, which is uh, $20 off and uh, ground beef for life or something like that. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Our ground beef tastes amazing. So that that's a good one. Yeah. And if that offer has expired, I'm sure there'll be something else on that page at, at, at the time that people listen to this. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I would love to talk for three plus hours about all of this and really get into it again, but we'll just have to have you back on. All right. That sounds great. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. Let me ask you this. How many servings of veggies have you had so far today? Hmm. How about this week? Like it or not, recent studies show 
that nine out of 10 of us do not eat the recommended amount of daily fruits and veggies. Now, if you're one of those uncompromising health nuts who gets more than 10 servings of veggies a day, you can ignore what I'm about to say. Now, for the rest of you, listen up. If you're looking to improve your health and increase the amount of nutrition in your diet with fruits and veggies without the sugar, you're going to love our new creation called Future Greens. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling fiber from whole organic veggies, sprouts, algaes, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. We think it tastes great, and we even heard that some kids think that Future Greens taste pretty good too. All of our products at Wild Superfoods are lab-tested for purity and potency and formulated according to the latest cutting-edge developments in research, science, and medicine. We have extremely high standards when it comes to our health, and we know you do too. Guaranteed nutrition, no matter where you are. That's our promise to you. So check out Wild Superfoods, and please get in touch to tell us what you think. Just head over to wildsuperfoods.com to get the scoop on Future Greens, and you can save 20% when you select subscribe and save. All you have to do is visit wildsuperfoods.com to get the deal. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second, please leave me a quick review for the Fat-Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show. And if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or a family member. And if they're like, what is this fat burning man thing? That's a really silly name. You could be like, you're right, but here's the deal. We've recorded over 250 episodes of the fat burning man show with thought leaders in health from all over the world. And so far we've won four awards hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a, a second here just to type it in. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of the Fat Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, enter your email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now. Enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox. This is Abel James signing off. Thank you so much for listening once again, and have a great week.